Greece. And this is another one of those moments. Last night I had everything ready to go. I had a few few things to put, few few minor touches to put on the sermon. I'll read over things on Saturday night and everything's cool and we're getting ready to go. And and I I told my wife, I said, yep, I'll be, I'll be at, at a couple, you know, half hour, just get things done. And about a half hour in, God said, it's not what I want you to preach. You got to do this. And I was like, God, I got this already. Uh, I got more than four pages. <laughs> I got this already. And God said, it's not what I want you to do. So we have shifted gears and he kept me up another few hours and showed up in the midst of all of that and and it was amazing and I am thoroughly convinced and this is one of those sermons where I'm like a like a racehorse in the starting gate or a runner like like the Olympics just started right I'm like a runner like ready to go are you ready for God's word this morning it's going to be he is going to show up he's going to he's going to speak this morning we're going to start a four-week message series it may not be four consecutive weeks but there's four sermons in here I know there is I don't know what they all are yet, but there's four in here. And we're going to look at this, the prophet named Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. Elisha. Not Elijah, Elisha. It's not days of Elisha, right? This is Elisha, the one who would follow Elijah. I love when the Lord does that to preachers, right? Because we've got we to gotta say these like Elisha, Elijah, Elisha, Elijah. So it's like one of those things where you warm up your lips before you talk, right? How now, brown cow? How now, brown? The toothless rooster man is on the run, right? The arsonist had oddly shaped feet. Like you get these sort of the things that get your, you know, non-regional dictation or something, right? So you say these things, Elisha, Elijah, Elisha, Elijah. But I've titled this Ridiculous Faith. We're going to look at the life of Elisha. And I want to say very, very sincerely uh, that God laid this on my heart uh, because I've read and heard a lot about Elisha lately. Like, it's just kind of, he's, he's just been sticking around. You know, I'll be thinking of something, I'll turn around, there's Elisha. You know what I mean? Like, it's just in my mind a lot. And, and I believe that many of, many of us, many of you, in the next four weeks, the next four sermons around this ridiculous faith of Elisha... Um, I believe it'll be a defining moment in the relation, your relationship with God, especially as we go through family camp week, right? Tonight, this afternoon, I should say, beginning the whole thing, kicking it off, and then the next several days, I know everybody can't make it every day. Some people are staying up there. Some people will be, you know, whenever they can, we'll be part of the worship team. There'll be things going on. But family camp week, prepare your hearts. I wouldn't be surprised if God used something that you hear this morning in the family camp experience, I don't know that that's going to happen, but how often are you like, my, my pastor just said that, and it comes up during the week, and you're like, wait a second, I was just, like, I really believe, now I don't know anything about anything that's going to happen at family camp. I have no idea what things are going to be spoken, said, or any of that, but don't be surprised if God isn't going to move in your heart and in your life throughout this next week and then the weeks to come. And, and, and it'll build your faith and it'll, it'll maybe even start to give you a ridiculous faith. Now, if you're a little bit old school, right? Ridiculous is like, 
you know, isn't actually a good thing, right? You know, we have to, some words mean what they don't mean, and some words mean two things. Some words have the opposite meaning, right? So we look at something that says bad used to mean bad, right? But now bad can mean good. Like, if it's bad, like, man, that car is bad. You know, like, that can be a good thing. Bad is good. Um, But not bad, like the milk is bad. That's not a good thing, right? the, The milk, that milk's bad. And, and I found that sick is now a thing, right? Sick used to be sick. Like, if you threw up on my shoes, that's, you're sick. But something's really cool. That, that This is what they say now. Man, that is sick. Right? That's all right. Some of the parents are teenagers, right? Man, that is sick. You know, like, uh, man, sick is cool. Like, sick, man. Ridiculous is the same way. Ridiculous used to mean, like, outlandish in a bad way. Like, you know, when I was younger, someone would say, man, that long hair is ridiculous. And I didn't know they didn't mean cool, right? They meant like, son, your long hair is, is a bit ridiculous. And some of you have seen that long-haired picture, and it, it kind of was ridiculous. But now if the cake is really good, someone will eat the cake and go, man, that cake is ridiculous. Like, whoa, that cake, like your mind is like that. Like, dude, that cake, ridiculous. And what I want to look at is look at the life of Elisha, And I believe that God is going to build a ridiculous faith in the good sort of way in our lives. I'll give you a little bit of context first. Um, And while I do, turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. And we'll talk about who Elisha was. And we'll look at our text. And then I'll tell you kind of where I believe the Holy Spirit's going to lead us in this series. And then we'll dive right in. So there was a guy by the name of Elijah. Everybody say Elijah. This is helping me, by the way. It's sort of a thing I need to hear that. Some people get confused between Elisha and Elijah. And Elijah was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. Bold, daring, full of faith. Elisha wanted to be like Elijah. And, and he was bold enough, Elisha was bold enough, ridiculous enough, to ask for a double portion of Elijah's blessing. Elijah was like, you know, like super prophet, right? Like he was doing amazing things. So Elisha said, you know what? I don't want to be equal. I want a double portion. Do twice as much in me what you've done in Elijah. So he, he did, and he asked for that, and God in his sovereign will gave Elisha, who studied under Elijah, a double portion of his anointing. And Elisha actually performed more recorded miracles in Scripture than anyone except Jesus. And what's interesting about this guy, Elisha, he was an ordinary guy. He wasn't the son of a priest. He, he, you know, he wasn't a Levite of Levites, right? Because that's what you had to be to be a priest, right? You had to be of the tribe of Levi to be considered a priest. You know, you had to be down through the genealogy of Levi. And here it comes. You had to have Levi genes. It's lonely. Sorry, I'm, I apologize. I apologize. But he wasn't, he wasn't a monk, he wasn't sort of some spiritual giant. Elisha was an ordinary guy who was living at home with his parents and working on the family farm when God called him to do something incredible. And the context that he lived in was during the 9th century BC, a time when Israel was very divided, great tension in the land. Uh, many people were worshipping the false god of Baal. Remember the story of Elijah and the, and the false prophet and the fire coming down and Elijah was like, that was major, massive, burned up everything. Elijah said, I want double that. Like, whoa. But Elijah 
you know, many people were worshiping this false god, and, and Israel was very divided at this time, a lot of tension. But God raised up this ordinary guy, and he did something extraordinary through his life. First Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. Do you have it? All right, there's one. It'll be on the screen if you don't. If that's what's so good about the, uh, the app, right? Like the Bible apps and stuff. Like First Kings, and you go, oh, First Kings, there it is. Uh, chapter 19, beginning in verse 19, and we'll go through 21. And these are the verses we'll study today. We'll look at those, and then we'll break it down sort of verse by verse. Is it okay to have a bunch of scripture in church this morning? Let's do it. Verse 19 says this. So Elijah, this is the older one. Um, Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Bible names, right? You know anybody that's having babies or expecting? Name them Shaphat. Especially if it's a girl. You don't want to do that. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So he's, he's out there doing the ordinary stuff. And Elijah went up to him, and he threw his cloak around him. Now this was very, very significant. Elisha then left his oxen, ran after Elijah, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah said, and uh, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back, and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. We're going to get into all This is amazing. It, it, it gets more ridiculous as this goes on. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate it. And then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. Look at your neighbor and tell him, this is the beginning of a ridiculous story. That was ridiculous the way you said that, but I'll work with you. I'll work with you this morning. Let me tell you where we're going to kind of go in a roadmap, sort of maybe in the next four to five weeks, right? We're going to, next week we're going to see something that really speaks to me and to many of us, because a lot of us, our faith is small, and we're not willing to see the big picture or dream bigger or take a big part in something. Um, and, and at the same time, we're not willing to to dream big that God gives us something, we're, we aren't willing to start small. Some people want, you know, I want to be the pastor. I want to be the this. I want to be the that. But some people aren't willing to sort of do the small things. Um, we're going to look at a story where Elisha asked some people to dig some ditches. And in a valley um, that there's no sign of any water, he's going to start ask some people to dig some ditches and God will expand your faith in that and you'll begin to think bigger and at the same same time I think you'll be willing to start small and then in one of these sermons we're going to look back at one of the widows right and it's mentioned in the Elisha account um, who is very desperate and and a lot of us are going through a lot of you are going through some very difficult times you see people and you wonder how are we going to make it how are we going to make it through this poor lady was about to lose her two sons a lot of you know the, the story and all she had to do all she had to her name was a little jar of oil, right? And all she could do was see that she didn't have enough. And all she could see was what, was what she didn't have. And God, through the prophet, is going to show her that she had everything that she needed to do everything that God wanted her to do. This stuff will build your faith. And then another one, we're going to see another crazy miracle. And for those of you who are at one time more passionate about the things of God, and I pray that's what family camp sort of does to a lot of people, right? It sort of sets more time aside than just a Sunday morning, and it gets you more passionate about the things of God. You might have been at a time in your life where you were on fire, and you were just closer to God, but you sort of lost your spirit.
spiritual edge, if you will. And we're going to look at a miracle where an axe head fell into water. And the prophet actually threw a stick and the axe head floated. And it's going to help you get your spiritual edge back. But today, I want to show you a ridiculous commitment of faith that the prophet Elisha had. And we'll look at these verses again. And we'll break them down and apply them to our lives. Let's look at verse 19 again. In the middle of the verse... Um, it tells us where he was and what he was doing, right? Scripture says that Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair, right? So count them back. You know, and Elisha was, was doing the same job he had, he had been doing for a long time. You don't just hop on the plow and hope for the best. You've got to know what you're doing. He was working his parents' farm. He was driving these yoke of oxen. And, and I read a few a book a few years ago called Greater. It was by a, a preacher named Stephen Furtick. And, and I'll just leave that there, right? You, you eat the fish and spit out the bones, right? So you take what you can out of some things that you read and see. And he pointed out something, though, that I never even thought about. And that is the monotony of what it would have been like to plow behind a yoke of oxen every single day. Now think about it. You're behind this yoke of oxen, right? There's 12. And you're behind the 12th pair. And you're driving this yoke of oxen. What do you smell day in and day out? I mean, this is ordinary stuff, right? He's behind 12 yoke of oxen, 12 pairs. This is a lot of oxen. Must have been a big field. Well, you, you smell something that's sick and not sick in a good way. It's not sick. No, it's sick. Right? You smell oxen residue, right? Get yourself in the story. Put yourself in the context of what this might have been like. Oxen, what do you see every day? This is your scenery every single day. If you're behind a plow of oxen, you're walking behind. What's your scenery? Oxen rears, right? Oxen rears. Some people will take, that's all they'll take out of this. They'll be like, hashtag oxen rears. My pastor killed it. Hashtag oxen rears. Don't say anything bad. It's oxen rears. Oxtails, right? Oxen behinds. And in case you're having a hard time visualizing this, hang on. I gave you a little context and something to see this morning. This is your scenery every single day. Now, some of you might feel a little bit like Elisha. You're not physically looking at oxen rears, but you're looking at the same thing day in and day out. And life gets a little bit monotonous for you. Life can get a little bit... You're going to the same job, and you're working with the same people, and you're like, I am staring at oxen rears all day. Don't call your coworkers oxen rears. Don't, that's not what I'm saying. But that's the way you feel, right? Some of you might be in like a sales job, right? You meet your quota and it starts all over again the next day. And you meet it again and then you're like, this is so monotonous. It's the same thing every day. And all you, you just try and live up to some standard and wow, it's the same thing over and over. Students, right? College students maybe. You, what, what do you do? You, you, you go to school, you study, and then you work some pay, to pay the school bills. And then you study some more and you work some more and you study and you pay the school bills. You know, I study and I work, I study and I work. Oxen rears everywhere. Those of you that are parents, right, you're in the thick of it. What do you see all day long? Diapers and laundry and dishes. Diapers, laundry, dishes. And you get to start to think, it, you know, it's incredibly easy to lose your passion about something when all you see is oxen rears. All day long. This is where Elisha was. But I want you to notice that he was being faithful to the task at hand. He was every day out there on the plows, doing his thing. And I believe that all, with all my heart, people, and I do, that God loves to reward those who are faithful in the little things. When you are faithful with a little, 
he can trust you with a lot. And Elisha was sitting there in the little things, right? Just plowing away, doing his thing. And even though it might not have been his favorite thing to do, probably, in the world, it could have been physically draining, emotionally draining, you know, getting these oxen every day. He was faithful every single day, getting out there. In the middle of his faithful daily routine, God sent something new to take him from where he was to a ridiculous place of impact. Verse 19 at the end of the verse says this, that Elijah, everybody say Elijah. Thank you. This was a great man of God, right? That Elisha would have, you know, looked up to at that time. He was like his hero in the faith. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now, what in the world does his cloak around him? What does that mean? Well, his cloak would have been sort of a coat, uh, a covering made of animal skin or fur, something very special to Elijah. And it was his covering. And so your covering as a, as a, and as a person living in Israel was very important at that time. Um, and what Elijah did was he took his covering... And he put it on Elisha, saying, basically, symbolically, That's what, that which has covered me, now covers you. And, and the, he's, they call it his mantle, right? And he takes this mantle, he says, that which was the mantle on me, will now be the mantle on you. That which I was under, now you will be under. You will be my student, in other words, I will be your mentor. And God has been working through me, Elisha, now God's going to work through you. And he put his mantle, his covering over Elisha. Now, how does this apply to what we don't have coverings and we don't have mantles and we don't have cloaks? How does this apply? Two principles of ridiculous commitment. Watch how the ordinary man responds to his ordinary, extraordinary call. Two principles, if you're taking notes, the first one is this. That God's going to call him to follow Elijah and he's not going to know all the details. And number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey right now. When God calls you to do something, you don't have to understand all the details. You don't have to understand all the ins and outs, all the I's dotted and T's crossed. When God calls you to something, you don't have to fully understand that to obey it immediately. Verse 20, here's what happens. First, Elisha puts the cloak around him, right? And then in verse 20, Elisha then, what did he do? Left his oxen. And then what? Then he ran after Elijah. Okay. And he said, you know what? Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and I'll come with you. Let me say goodbye, because I'm coming. Just give me a minute. Say goodbye. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Notice this. When Elijah puts his cloak on, he says, all right, you're up. Elisha says, all right, he left his oxen. He's done. No more oxen rears. He ran after, he ran after Elijah. Awesome. Let me kiss my mother and father goodbye, and then I will come with you. Notice what he didn't do. He didn't say, well, that's awesome. Maybe it was, maybe he could even call him pastor, right? That's awesome, pastor. But let me pray about it. He didn't have to pray about it. Did the pastor just say that? Yes, I did. He didn't have to do a list of pros and cons. He didn't have to weigh it out. Well, here's the reasons I should go, and here are the reasons I shouldn't go. He didn't have to consult with a, with a, with a counselor. He didn't have to, you know, all he did was say, God, you know what, I believe you're in on this. I don't know the details, but since you're in God, I'll obey immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Immediately. 
And if I could take a quick rabbit trail down sort of a leadership thought, I, um, I, I, I want to give this because this could apply to your life. Um, no matter where it is that you are in leadership, whether it's, whether it's youth ministry, whether it's worship, whether it's your parents, whatever it is. Um, people will ask me, you know what, what what's your five-year plan, Pastor? What's your, what's your prediction for the church? Uh, where do you see us going in the next three to five years or something like that? And I'm all for strategic planning, right? Okay, let's, let's do it. Let's talk about where things may be. Um, because one of the things that I've, I've kind of seen is, um, you know, I, I tell the, our leadership team here that I, I lead with double vision, right? And you think, what is that, Pastor? Well, I'm always sort of in the mindset or the frame of mind that the church is twice as big as it is right now as far as people, right? So that we prepare for that, so that when we expect that and we get to that point, we already have things and positions and 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 and. and, and processes in place so it doesn't take us by surprise which is why there are more seats in here right we filled it up for the ryan stevenson concert and and i always talk to 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 one of my friends here at the church um and he always says you know what if 50 people showed up for sunday school are we ready are we prepared for that like 50 people that we don't know like not the normal 50 people other 50 like they just walk in hey we want to come to your church are we ready for that so we filled this sanctuary to seat everyone for Ryan Stevenson concert, right? Let's put all the chairs in. We're good. We're, all, we're okay. That's why it looks like there's less of you to me sometimes because there's more seats. There's more purple. Um, but you know what? We're expecting to fill these seats. We're expecting that God's going to fill these seats. So we lead with double vision. And so what is the three to five year plan? I mean, the world is changing so rapidly, Things change so fast. There's no way for us to predict three to five years. Really. We don't know the divine opportunities that God's going to send our way. We can kind of have some ideas and that double vision, right, sort of get things in place. But instead of planning for the far future, what I like to do is respond, get ready to respond in the present. Like what happens if 50 people show up for for Sunday school? What are we going to do? I want to be immediately able to respond to the voice of God when, when that comes to opportunities that you and I really aren't smart enough to even predict. We could never predict them. Therefore, like, you know, as a, as a, as a pastor and as we lead, you know, we, we like to have enough financial margin, right? So that when things do come up, when opportunities do present themselves, we're ready. We are ready. And that concert was one of them. And look how God blessed. And look, and I'm still hearing things. It's, it was amazing. But we want to have margin in, in, in leadership, margin in, and, and so, so we can jump into divine opportunities that we're not even smart enough to predict. All right, I don't know how that, that spoke to somebody this morning, but I believe that if you'll get your heart in a posture of spiritual readiness is what I'm, think, what I'm saying. You can't plan what God might do in your heart and life a year from now. But if you're ready, you can obey immediately even if you don't understand fully. If you don't, you don't need to understand fully to obey immediately. So prepare your heart spiritually. Prepare your heart. I hope that helps somebody this morning. I want to be ready to say yes immediately. So here's the way God will leave. God will rarely give you the details, right? God, I believe, is often strategically vague in his specific directions. You want details. And I believe God will look at you and often say, you can't handle the details. God says, you know what, if I showed you everything, you wouldn't show up. I'm just showing you what the next step is. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, right? A lamp. I know what the next step is, but I don't know what it looks like down the road. You don't have to know. If he showed you everything that was down the road, you'd be scared to death and you may not even take the next step. 
God will often guide with one word. I love the power of this, that just one word is all God will give, and that's enough to go on. The Old Testament, whenever God was giving Moses direction, remember that? Uh, remember the guy named Moses? Anybody know Moses? Read your Bible? All right, good. Moses, he said, Moses, go. Abraham, Abraham, go to the land I will show you. One word, go. Peter in the New Testament, remember Jesus was walking on the water that time? And, and Peter was like, that is ridiculous, like, whoa. The guy's walking on the water. And Jesus, he says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. One word, Jesus said, come. One word. I don't, Peter said, I don't know the details. This doesn't look like something I could or should do. But he said, one word and I'll follow. Come. And Peter said, all right, I'm coming. Never mind the other bozos that stayed on the boat, right? I didn't just call the disciples bozos, but strike that. Can we? Okay, cool. Thanks, Ron. But some of you might hear one word from God, and I don't know what that word will be. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe, maybe some things are intense right now. Maybe, maybe there's a struggle, and you're thinking about, hmm, is this worth it? But God says one word. He says, stay. Stay. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. And you stay. Some of you might have a health situation. It doesn't look good. Things don't look right. Uh, maybe it's someone you love in that same situation. And God gives you one word. Trust. And you hang on and you obey. Some of you, you got an idea brewing. You got some kind of ministry down in your heart. You're ready. You're, you're ready to go. You just haven't acted on it yet. And you, you know, you have some idea, some ministry. You got something inside you. You're like, how and when and how are we going to pay for it? I don't understand. And God gives you one word and he says, start. Just start. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Some of you have been hanging around the church for a while. Some of you are watching online. You're kind of checking things out. Maybe this is a place for you, you know, and you're kind of starting to grow with God, but you're still kind of holding back, observing, sort of seeing one thing. God might give you one word this morning. Commit. Commit. Don't just watch what God is doing. Get involved. Commit. Some of you might be praying about something in the future in your family, and, and you're like, ah, oh, God, I just know the family's supposed to grow, and what's going on? God gives you one word. Adopt. God gives you one word, foster. You're like, wait, how, what age, from where, domestic, international, we don't know, what's this word, God, how are, how are we going to do this? You don't have to know all the details. You don't have to understand everything to take the next step. You don't have to understand everything to do what God asks you to do. Amen? All right, that's thought number one. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Thought number two is this, and I, I love this with all my heart. Those God uses the most are the ones that hold on to the least. Those that God uses the most are the ones that hold on to the least. That's going gonna, gonna to speak to somebody this morning. Watch what Elisha does in verse 21. So Elisha left him, right, and he went back and he took his yoke of oxen. And remember, these were the animals that brought about their family's livelihood. And like Elisha was in charge, like those fields need to be plowed right now. And Elisha, they didn't have, you know, the John Deere. They didn't have the international. You pick your favorite. Um, Lee has a favorite tractor brand. I can't remember what it is, but he has a favorite. Chalmers, Chalmers, some Alice Chalmers, something. I don't know what it is. The, the tractor brand that you went out, went to the factory and you saw the, I mean, everybody had, they didn't have them back then. They had oxen rears. <laughs> and the Bible says, what did he say he did with the oxen? The Bible says that he slaughtered them. And killed them, dead. Killed them. 
And then he took the plows. What do you do with the plows? You need the plow and the oxen, right, to work together. The livelihood, his very sustenance. Scripture said that he burned the plowing equipment. And he took the meat that cooked it and cooked it and gave it to people and they ate it. And he made a bonfire out of the plowing equipment and cooked steak for his buddies. I mean, he set out to follow Elijah and to become his servant. And, and it's ridiculous, this whole story, right, through and through. You know, God's calling me to go, he says, and follow this prophet and become a prophet, become like him, maybe even greater than him. So what do I do, Elisha says? I kill the cows, I burn the plows. That's what I do. That's ridiculous. I kill the cows, I burn the plows. Because you can see this kind of killing the cows, right, symbolically, whenever God did something, you could kind of get it. Kill the cows, okay, the animal sacrifices, right? Symbolically, whenever God would be, a, there would be a big calling on a group of people, sometimes there would be a sacrifice. Like, remember when the prodigal son came back, they killed the cow, the fatted calf. Like, there's been cows killed before, and you can have other cows, right? And I kind of get that, but, you know, I don't, I don't know. It, it, the killing of the cow was, was fine, but he goes ahead and he burns the plows, too. It's almost like he's saying, you know what? I am burning plan B. There is no plan B. <laughs> There's only obey God. There's only plan A. And I got to tell you, you know, if my kids come home with this plan, you know, I'm kind of like, hey, oh, hang on. <laughs> I get it, faith, right? I get it, go serve God. But let's keep our options open. I mean, that's kind of what you would think too, Row, wait, sensibly. There's no reason to, and, and you know, go follow God, but keep the cows and the plows in the barn. You never know when you might need to use them. That's not the kind of faith that Elisha had. That is not the kind of faith that God calls us to. When you're you're going to see in scripture that there are often times when people are so moved by God that they do ridiculous things to follow him. Whenever Jesus encountered Peter for the first time in Luke chapter 5, Peter was having a bad fishing day. Anybody had a bad fishing day? It's better than a... Even a bad fishing day is better than a... Good day at work. Thank you. But Jesus comes up and he says, I know you're having a bad fishing day. Throw your nets on the other side. Peter was like, I don't really think you know what you're talking about. I've been at this a while. Jesus said, just do it. And he caught so many fish that the nets started to break. Remember, there were so many fish. He's like, whoa, who are you? It's amazing. I'm a sinful man and you're the Lord. Remember all this stuff? And Jesus looked at him, he said, you know what, from now on, you don't have to just catch fish. Now on, you can fish for people. You're going to be a fisher of men. Remember that. Scripture says something, it's, it's just as crazy as burn the cows and kill, burn the plows and kill the cows. You know, he says that the, the disciples left everything. Remember that in the New Testament. You know, we can just read by that and not even think about it, but contextualize that to your life. Leave everything to follow Jesus? Wait a you know, I got this career, and I got things planned, and I got this long term, and we got this all going on. I, you know, I, got a, I went to college for this, and this is what I've been doing, and this is my job, and this is my... And leave my comfort, leave my, my, my neighborhood, leave my family group, leave, leave my church. What God are you calling me to? They left everything to follow him. And there's some of you that God's going to speak to you at some time and give you a plow-burning kind of faith. And to qualify, and let me just say this, that make sure first that it's God speaking to you. Don't just go in and say, you know what, I'm sick of my job, I, and I don't like any of you. 
Call them whatever you want. You know, auction rears. I don't like any of you people, and I'm, I'm, burning, I'm burning the bridges, and here I go, I'm out. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you know that you know that you know that God is speaking to you, that God is directing you. You've had confirmation. People who are in spiritual leadership in your life have said, have said something to you and say, you know what, I, I see something in you. God has revealed something, and, I, and you gotta, I'm not talking about just giving it up and saying, whatever happens. There are some times when you are so convinced that you just burn the plows. You burn that bridge. You're not going back. Because something has happened in you, and you're never going to be the same. You can't go back, because God's calling you forward. And there are some that God is going to give you a plow-burning faith. Where deep within, you're willing to do whatever it takes to follow God to the next place, whatever that is. We don't have to know all the details to obey immediately. Look at the person next to you that was your second choice of the thing we did earlier and tell them, maybe you need to burn a plow. Yell across the aisle, it's okay. But all, I mean, maybe you need to burn a plow. And I don't know what that's going to be in your life. I don't know what that is. I don't know what you need to burn in your life. But maybe God's calling you to a burn the plow sort of faith. A ridiculous faith. Not silly ridiculous, but ridiculous like, wow. How can I even, what's the next step? You don't need to know the next step. If God's in it, what's the one word that God will give you even this morning as you sit here or as you watch. What's the one word that God is giving you? Say, you know what, God? (laughs) And a lot of you, it won't be the first time you're hearing that word, right? Like I said, at camp meeting, I finally had to really answer the call to, to ministry. I had dabbled and stuck my toe in and I've heard some things, but it wasn't the first time I had heard the word, go. What's the one word? It won't, probably isn't the first time you've heard it. What's the one word, that plow-burning sort of faith that says, you know what, God? Yeah, I know. I, I know that you've been, t- and there's my word again. And it's in your mind now. You know what it is. Maybe you need to burn a plow. But whatever it is that's sort of holding you back, comfort, fear, what is it that's holding you back from going all in? Burn that plow. Burn the plow. Kill the cow and burn the plow. You're going to take two things from this sermon. Kill the cow, burn the plow, and oxen rears. I know that's what you're taking away. But if there's sin that's holding you back, and you know that you know, if there's a sin in your life that's holding you back, and you know, burn the plow. Burn it. Burn it. If it's something as serious as a job that's holding you back, if you know God's in it, don't do it if you don't know that. Burn the plow. If there's a relationship in your life that's holding you back and you know it is, burn the plow. You have to make that decision that you're going to look at those things and and, and Elisha did the same thing. You know, there's no plan B. This is it. I heard God, and I know that I know. This is next for me. And, and, and these cows and these plows 
are gone. Oh, they're gone. <laughs> there is no other. There's no safety net. There's no... These plows and cows are gone. Burn them. Let's eat the steaks. That's it. Elisha had to look at those things that sustained his life. And he said, you know what? This is not even... what. This isn't even going to hold me back. But I don't... And I don't know what's next. That was his livelihood. You know what? And for years, it said Elisha did this for years. They have established sort of a business and his family and whatever. They have established that this is, this is what's right financially for my existence. But hear me, church. A lot of times, what's right financially isn't right for your family. Just because it makes financial sense doesn't mean that it makes family sense. Doesn't mean that it makes sense for what God has for you and your family. And you will look at this and you say, you know what? I'm not going to let anything hold me back. I'm going to burn the plows. I don't know what's next. And, but the, 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 the advantage that we have, right? We can see God's faithfulness, right? Elisha saw it too. We can see God's faithfulness. So when we do something as ridiculous as burning the plows and killing the cows... We're not doing that blindly. We have the advantage of looking at God's faithfulness in our lives. We can say, you know what? If he's for me, who can be against me? Burn the plows. You're not going to let anything keep you from following God because you don't have to obey, you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And those that God uses the most are those that hold on to the least. Oh, but this is my security. Burn the plows. And I know some people, you know, and, and not you, but some people that I've known in the past who have gotten these sort of challenges in their life and saying, you know what, God's calling me. Not you folks, but other people that you know. You know, you kind of go and you get, I'm like, you're like a little kid. You're holding on to your blankie, right? This is my security blanket. No, this is my degree. This is what I, this is my degree. God's calling you over here. But this is my this is where I this is what I do. And then you hold on to your blankie. This is my job. I mean, I can't this is my this is my job. This is how I provide. There's the plows, there's the cows. Burn them. Yeah. You're holding on to these things that keep you secure. Never forget this though, and I'll close with this. To step into the calling that's in your life for you and your family and your family's family and their children, their children's children. That's a funny reference that the worship team gets. But to to step into that sort of destiny that God has for you, you're going to have to step away from your security. God's going to speak to somebody and give you the faith to believe that he's calling you today into something new. Calling you into something new. Something, he's going to speak and give you the faith to believe that. Because a lot of you, you're looking at oxen rears today. But through your faithfulness and through God's faithfulness to you, God may call you to do something greater for his kingdom. And you have to have the faith to go and you don't have to understand to fully obey. But go, go, those that God uses the most often are those who hold on to the least. Amen? 
few weeks ago, we had, Randy, you can make your way. A few weeks ago, we had the, uh, um, uh, how do we put it, workers, our friend Jeremy and his wife and Luke Skywalker, right? We can't really say what they do because countries aren't friendly. Cross-cultural ministry, ministers, let's say, right? Um, and they're, like their website is like the, the, the free-to-go life or something like crazy. Like, yeah, God's going to use those folks unbelievably powerfully in the areas that they choose to serve. Because God often uses those who hold on to the least. He uses them the most. What are you holding on to this morning? As we wrap this up, what are you holding on to? What's that security blanket for you? What's that, what's that security that you say, you know what, this, I, we couldn't. There's no way. We just can't let that, I mean, that's, that's our security. You'll never step into what God has for you if you're hanging on to something that's your security. You'll never step into that. If you want to realize this ridiculous kind of faith, not silly ridiculous, but whoa, like Elisha kind of faith, like what's next for you? You want to step into what's next for you? Burn the plows. Kill the cows. Would you stand this morning? bow our heads in in prayer this morning and and really seek for what the Lord this is response time and I would ask that you would seek the Lord and what he has for you this morning how has he spoken to you we say the same thing every week right Holy Spirit what are you saying to me through this what are you saying God how are you translating the words that come off the page and that come out of the preacher's mouth How how are you translating that to me God like what, what is that thing in your life that you know, you know God has spoken a word? Or maybe it's something you've been hanging on to saying, no, I can't, that's not for me, I can't do that, that's not something we feel led to do, that's not something I feel God leading us toward. Maybe today God said, I'm changing things. And he's spoken one word. And that was enough for you. One word. And that's enough. Told Moses, go. Told the disciples, follow. One word. In this whole sermon series, maybe God will speak one word to you that will change the trajectory of your life, your family's life, not only you and your immediate family, but generations to come. How is God calling you to be a blessing to generations? What word is he speaking to you? With their heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I wonder how, I want to pray and I want to lift your, your hand raised to the Lord this morning and I want him to see the commitment from you. 
If you say to the Lord this morning, God, I hear what you are saying, and God, I am burning the plows of my stubbornness. I am burning the plows of my disobedience. I am burning the plow of my sinfulness. I am burning the plows, killing the cows, God. And what you have called to me that I know you said to me, I am ready to step into that. If that's you this morning, we're not going to embarrass you. No one's looking around anyway. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Hands going up already. Just slip your hand up and say, God, that, that, that's what God said to me. I'm burning the plow. Some things I know that God has spoken to me. And God, there are some things in the way of me serving you fully and, and hearing. And God, you've spoken a word. And I'm ready to burn the plow of my own, my own sinfulness, my own stubbornness, my own whatever. I'm ready to burn that plow, God, this morning. If that's you, just slip your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. That's me, Pastor. He's spoken to me and he said, you know what? We're ready to move forward. Maybe it's something completely new in your life. You've had your, your mind and your heart shut off to it the whole time. But God said, you know what? This is the word I have for you this morning. Whatever that word is, act in obedience. You don't need to know the details. If it's God, you don't need to know the details because he's in it. You don't need to know fully to obey immediately. One more chance. As I look across, I'll lift you in prayer this morning. Say, God, that's me. I'm ready to step out. Just lift your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. God's spoken to me this morning. Amen. Amen. Join me in prayer. Father, we are thankful that we have examples in your word to look to. That you've put them there to speak to us here in 2021. We're still telling the stories. We're still reading the accounts of prophets thousands of years ago. God, they they still are relevant to our lives today because your Holy Spirit keeps them alive and well through your living word. And these words pierce our hearts. Your word cuts through us like a two-edged sword, like a scalpel, cutting away things that need to be cut away and forming us, God, into who you would have us to be. And God, might we have the kind of faith, the faith of Elijah and Elisha and so many others. Elijah would look out on that field and he would say, you know what, there's my livelihood, there's there's my security, there's what I put my trust in, but you know what, I am going to kill those cows and burn the plows. So Father, the hands have come up all over the, the sanctuary today. And God, I pray that those folks who are listening intently with ears, like you said, he who has ears, let him hear. We have been listening intently, God, for what you have for us. And God, if there's anything that's standing in the way of the next thing you have for us, whether it's our own sin, whether it's an addiction, whether it's our own stubbornness, whether it's our own, Lord, uh, security blankets that we hold on to, God, I pray that we would have the kind of faith that Elijah and Elisha both had. But Elisha would look out and say, you know what, that's my security, I'm burning the plows. I'm making a decision, I'm drawing a line in the sand that this is the day that I made that decision, that I heard from the Holy Spirit. And God, I thank you so much for delivering people and putting that in front of people. And Lord, that they would be able to have their own plow-burning faith that would say, you know what, I am ready to go forward. God, you have given me one word this morning. You have given me, Lord, the opportunity to serve you. And God, we don't have to know all the details. We don't have to know everything up front to obey immediately. So Father, I pray. 
that those who have taken that bold step of ridiculous faith this morning, that you would provide ways and provide answers, give them the right questions to ask, put people in front of their lives to tell them what the next step is and how it's all going to happen. And Lord, you would just orchestrate it all, Lord. I read, read in your word, Lord, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would give us just that next step. We don't have to know 10 steps. We don't have to know 100 steps. But God, if you would just tell us what that next step is, we will be people of faith and we will take that next step that your word is a lamp to our path we don't have to see all the way down the path God just give us the next step give us the next step for our lives God whatever it is and we will trust you in the details we'll trust you with the future God I pray that you would continue to use this prophet Elisha to speak to our hearts in the coming weeks ahead And help us to have this sort of ridiculous kind of faith that he had. And so many others throughout scriptures. And so many others, Lord, throughout our our lifetime that we've seen and we've read about. And God, bring us together this afternoon at camp meeting. God, I just pray that you do what you do at camp meeting this afternoon. Speak to hearts and lives. Give us a great time, Lord, of hearing from you and getting a fresh new perspective on serving you. God, give us a good time of fellowship afterwards. And it's great to be around the people of God, Lord, on that campground. I pray that, Lord, lives would be changed because of what you're going to do at camp meeting this next week. We give you the praise, Lord. We give you the glory in Jesus' powerful name. And we trust you saying amen and amen. God bless you. We will see you today at 4 o'clock. If you need directions, put in your GPS.